We are recording. Welcome to Sinner's Take, another Catholic guys podcast of which we read the most children's books. I am Eddie. I am Cody. And I am Mark. And today we're going to talk about, we're going to have our second installment of the hit series, Narnia Nuggets, starring C.S. Lewis and Aslan. And Mark. (laughs) (laughs) So yes, welcome back to anybody who... uh, was interested in hearing what we had to say about a children's book we are on to the second one or the first movie so seven books three movies uh, this is the first movie only one, one good quality. movie yeah <laughs> one decent movie one watchable movie and, and one movie one. that has been erased from <laughs> from, from the mind of society yeah I, I get cody said he recently saw it on disney plus but i went and checked disney plus a few months back and it wasn't on there and you i couldn't rent it on amazon you couldn't rent like i could not find the movie to watch the voyage of the dawn treader but we'll talk about that later when we talk about the voyage of the dawn treader. <laughs> in approximately that, that seems fitting. four episodes yeah. uh so today lion witch in the wardrobe is technically the second book and uh, it's pretty like on the nose <laughs> there's like spoiler alert aslan dies and it represents jesus's death on the cross did you guys did you guys catch that it's pretty subtle uh, i had to read the book a couple times yeah to figure that out <laughs> about the fourth time through yeah. you're like oh my gosh <laughs> I really I wish someone it. had told me going into it. You know. <laughs> who was it? Was it you? Was it you who said so? The Peter, the like you know, the main character who represents. Anyone want to take a guess what he represents in church history? It took me after reading four books in the series to figure out Peter is like the head of the church, Saint Peter. <laughs> Didn't put that together <laughs> oh, that for a while. Peter. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's not. It's not really your fault. You know, C.S. Lewis probably should have had his name be Simon first, and then Aslan changes it to Peter. That maybe would have helped a little bit more for you. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, we'll jump right into it. Uh, there's a couple things in this one, pretty much the most straightforward, so there's not probably as much to talk about. Also, the last Narnia Nuggets was probably a little bit too long, but you know, a lot of good stuff because it has to do with creation, and then I imagine the seventh one's probably going to be pretty long for us to talk about. Honestly, I could talk about that book for longer than you, it would take to read it, so <laughs> I think we also made that joke in the last one, so probably going to make it in all seven. <laughs> but first thing I wanted to talk about, kind of, so fast forward, so we've got four characters, the four, you know, children. Lucy, the youngest, her older sister, Susan, Edmund, the second youngest, and Peter, the oldest boy. So that was the worst way to explain that. Peter, the oldest, (laughs) Susan, the second oldest, Edmund, and then Lucy. They all are staying at their uncle's house, who is Diggory, right? Yeah, the professor's house. I don't think they're related. They're They're not? No, they're not related. They're not related? No. Okay. That's right. Yeah. They just, they're, they're, it's during World War II, so they're hiding from, like, bombing raids, essentially. So they go out to this, yeah, they go into a country home, which is Diggory from the first book, so house. They stumble into Narnia through, you guessed it, a wardrobe. That was built from the wood from the like apple seed that Diggory that's gets right. from yeah. the first book. So that's how it all connects. Yeah. And anyway, so they get out there and uh, the White Witch, so J- Jadis from the first book, has essentially taken over Narnia. The time moves faster in Narnia than it does on Earth. So all eventually the evil has overcome Narnia and they're stuck in this perpetual winter. You guys probably most of you know this. You probably watched this movie at some point in your life. They encounter this guy named Mr. Beaver and he, they talk about like Aslan coming back and he's going to save everybody. And uh, there's one line in particular where the kids, they're saying that they're like Lucy, particularly they're saying like, we're going to go meet the lion, right? The great lion. And Lucy's reaction is she says like a lion, like, is he safe? And Mr. Beaver says, safe he's a lion of course he's not safe but he is good or and i might be paraphrasing that a little bit but it's it's such a phenomenal line because i think it is it's like the definition of the contemplative life 
right? It's not like a life with Christ is a wonderful adventure. It's not safe in the sense that he's going to call you places where it's, it's going to, it's going to be, it's going to push you. It's going to, you know, for lack of a better word, like wreck your life for the better ultimately, but he will call you places that are difficult to, to go. And, but we trust that he is good in everything that he's doing, but he will challenge you. He'll, he'll, you know, allow the bad parts of you to break so that they can be built into good things. But I love that. That's definitely a theme throughout all of it. Like, you know, talking about the last one, Aslan being wild, Aslan being, you know, he's not like safe. He's, but he is good. He's this good King, but he calls us on to crazy adventure and calls us on to, to greatness. It is very good for me. For sure. He does a good job of striking the balance and not really calling him dangerous because he's not, it's not like risky in the sense that like, Oh, probably your life will be ruined and it's just going to be ruined. And it's not dangerous in the sense that like, there's any like harm is going, I don't know. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. It's, it's dangerous to your present self because you have to change once you meet Aslan. So it's like uncomfortable and it's painful to change whenever you meet Jesus, whenever you first encounter him. So that's the risky part is like, okay, now I've met Jesus now I have to change or I have to, you know, completely reject him. So I think that part is he's a dangerous lion, but that's why. What comes to mind is the rich young man from scripture, right? He presses Jesus on what he has to do to inherit eternal life. And Jesus is like, okay, I'm about to end this whole man's career. Sell everything you own and come follow me. And then it says, you know, he departs away sad. And that's kind of the thing, right? His whole life, he, and he wasn't ready for it, right? He wasn't ready to step out into that. And that, yeah. So it's, again, it's, it's not like a danger, like he's going to eat you, but, uh, it's a, it's kind of like how we, I don't know, there seems to be like two camps in the spiritual realm of like people who like are okay with calling it him that it's kind of, it was kind of like the whole reckless love thing. The whole drama that came with that with like, is God's love actually reckless? It's very, when in reality it's very calculated and perfect, but I think it's all like how we perceive it too, you know, where to us, it seems, it's, it seems wild because for us, we don't realize like how much care he has taken into this, this thing. So it's like he can call us on to do things with like reckless abandon. And for us, it feels like reckless abandon, even if it isn't in reality for God. I think it feels like a, a calculated chaos almost just because we don't understand the full um, prowess of his love. And it fills every crevice of our being. And that just is like, like awesome. So I think that that sort of image of rushing water, feeling everything is sort of how his love fills us. Calculated chaos. That's a good podcast name. So I'm not going to start a podcast. So. I don't know. Just saying, you got a good podcast voice. People are saying, fans are raving. We want no more one's Mark. listened to the first one yet. So <laughs> they don't know that. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll go. I'll go next. Um, so Edmund is pretty much the Judas of this story. He um, encounters the White Witch when he first enters Narnia, and um, obviously the White Witch standing for the devil or evil. Um, and so when he encounters her, he's offered some like earthly pleasures and it's in a cold forest. So he wants uh, his favorite food, which is Turkish delight, which is horrible, by the way, if any of you have ever, ever, ever tried the it. movie makes it look really, really good. It does. But I guess Eddie says it's horrible. Um, have you tried it? I, I think I have like a very distant memory of someone bringing it in while we were watching it in school and being like, I don't like this. <laughs> Anyone hot chocolate too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so... The queen obliges him and gives him this magical Turkish delight that as he's eating it, the only thing he desires is to continue eating Turkish delight. So he's not even satisfied with the food that's in his mouth. He only wants more Turkish delight. And the witch 
doesn't care about him. He's just using this. She's just using this as uh, a way to get information from him. So to know where his siblings are because she wants to kill them. So they don't end like the endless winter. Um, and so what's interesting about this is obviously this is a vessel for sin or giving into pleasure is that God gives us these, these good desires in our lives. But when we feel these desires, we can either take a shortcut to sin or some worldly pleasure and try to fill it with that and then continue to feel the desire in you know, a more frantic way. Or we can sit with it and let that desire bring us back to God. But Edmund, in this case, has the Turkish delight, and that's all he can think about. That's, he, he doesn't even like give any thought to why this witch is asking about his siblings. And later on in the book, when... Uh, he meets up with her again because he's been captured. Um, he asks her again, like, okay, I've done what you've told me. Can I have some more Turkish delight? And now the whole curtain has dropped. She's not being nice to him anymore. She's pretty much revealed her true character. And she gives him cold, stale bread and water instead of Turkish delight and hot chocolate. And she just doesn't care about him. She tells him to shut up, calls him a fool. And that's like pretty much on par with how the devil laughs in our face at when we really give into his full tricks. Yeah, and I really like the juxtaposition or the wording that you would use when we were talking about this earlier when you said that's the fulfillment of that desire. <clears throat> and you may have just said it and I may have just missed it, but there's a book called The Fulfillment of All Desire. And it's about... By the White Witch. It's... <laughs> <laughs> it's but I, I really like... What? This is funny. I really like that... Um, the juxtaposition of that, that. The fulfillment of all desire, it starts with what is hard and ends with what is like what is truly good where this starts with like a perceived good and ends with what is distasteful or disgusting so it has fallen to me to talk about uh the character of aslan as jesus there is a lot that we could go into here i obviously we need to touch on the obvious right there is a point in the book where the witch comes to the, the camp at narnia and you would think like why not just kill her, right? Why not just take her there? But it seems to be the case that she has some claim to Edmund for, for whatever reason, right? Like just written in the laws of Narnia, she has some claim to Edmund because he, he has sinned, right? Like it's almost as if he's given up like what the other three have. He's given up his his belonging to the encampment of Aslan and he, without really understanding it, gave himself into the service of the white witch and again just talking about like that sin like it starts with what seemed to be good and ends with slavery and and she's know, going to sacrifice him by the way yeah that's the like the, the, the where where this is heading to. the claim to his life is that she gets to kill him right like the slavery ends in him dying and so aslan and her talk in private eddie's favorite line of the movie is totally passed over in the book. <laughs> <laughs> in the in the book rendition, they totally left it out. Yeah, my favorite, like honestly, the, the line in the movie that made me want to read all of the books. I was like so jazzed up on like when as I was approaching it, and I was like, I can feel it. it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, and it's not even in the book. And the crazy thing is, is whoever wrote that line, like I, I, they no one even probably knows who that is, you know, because it's, I mean, I guess maybe the screenwriter of that movie. I don't know who that is, right? Because but it's probably just attributed to C.S. Lewis, <laughs> but it's, it wasn't even his. Oh, so good. But we're not there yet, though. We're not. We're, it's not. That's right. what we're talking about. Yeah, but we're not quite there yet, are we? Yeah, I said we're they go in to talk. 
Yeah, but then she, she has to, she then you have steps to see what out. happens. She steps out and says, you know, how do I... And Aslan says she's renounced her claim to the traitor's life, which seems like an incredible thing. The witch turns around and says, how do I know your promise will be kept? Aslan roars and says... Don't lecture me on the the deep magic, which I was there when it was written. Or what, but he doesn't actually say that. Yeah. No. Just remember that that's not actually said. Yeah. So don't don't get your hopes up. <laughs> it's a yeah. fake line. That, it's so it's good, though. Good one, though. <laughs> he sneaks off by himself, and Susan and Lucy hear him leaving and walk with him, uh, which is kind of an archetype of how Mary and Mary Magdalene were really the only ones, I mean, outside of John, that followed Jesus to the cross walking with him and kind of comforting him, but then he has to leave them behind at some point, and he goes, and he lets himself be humiliated, like shaved, so he loses his mane, uh, and then he's killed on, like, the table of sacrifice. And then in the morning, as the sun is rising, he wakes up. Or not really wakes up, but he's he's almost like he disappears. The table cracks, and then he, he comes back. Uh, and then he goes, and he... I mean, this is really interesting. He goes and he frees all of the people that have been turned to stone by the witch, which is kind of like how he went and liberated hell. Uh, right, because it's all the people who were caught spying or caught working against, like in the time that the witch was in control of Narnia, it's all the people who were working against her in Aslan's favor before Aslan had come. So in the same way, it's all the people who have died, righteous people who have died before the time of Jesus, who, you know, in the time where, the, you know, evil was still not conquered and so it's like a perfect symbol yeah. for that and, and i guess the thing that i really want to touch on is just uh as i was watching the movie and i don't i don't know how much it's highlighted in the book because it's been a couple it's been a minute since i've read it um but i just want to highlight how much you know aslan plays the witch just like absolutely for filth and you know and so then in reality how much jesus plays uh satan for filth is a hundred years of winter have gone by. It looks like the witch has got this place on lock, right? Like not, nothing's really happening. And then a little girl shows up, right? Like Mary shows up on the scene or Lucy in the book. And all of a sudden the winter starts to fade away. Like so fast, so fast. It's just like the snow instantly starts melting. Uh, spring is coming back the, in the movie. Even as the snow and ice is still on the trees, they start to bloom. And within a day or two, all the snow is gone and it's springtime again. And it's it's that immediate with like Jesus arriving, right? The sin just, it, it all fades away just like that. So what seemed to have been on lock has been totally lost. And then even like the lives that had been taken or the lives that had been, that she thought had been hers, right? Like captured by her uh, are all liberated. And the same, th I mean, <laughs> the same thing, like, could you imagine like that chess match, right? Where, because even the queen even says right before Aslan dies, uh, you're giving up your life and you're saving no one. Like, I'm still going to go and I'm just going to kill Edmund anyways. So you're giving me your life, which was really the only thing standing, which was really the only thing standing between me and total domination of Narnia. And then I'm just going to go kill him anyways. Right. And then all of a sudden in the... <laughs> Like in the blink of an eye, she is robbed of all the lives that she thought she had claimed and then loses this war in dramatic fashion. And it, you know, it would be the exact same thing that, oh man, I find I like killed 
the person who was supposed to come and and save humanity. Isn't that ridiculous? And then <laughs> three days later, he lost like all the people, like a third of the people that he thought he had claim to. And now he lost claim to like everyone or not everyone on earth, but you know, he lost the ability to just claim people on earth like that. It, <laughs> I, get, I think of the, get the, wrecked. the, the quote from star Wars where they get stuck in the ray shield and, uh, Obi-Wan's like, wait a second, how did this happen? We're smarter than this. And I think of like all the demons just like trapped in there and be like, how did this happen? Wait, like <laughs> three days ago we were celebrating cause we just killed the Messiah. How did we not see this coming? Cause yeah. you know, and they're, they're like smart. So, just yeah i mean who knows maybe it really like what is in their minds we can't really know but i I like i like to think of it as that feeling like you said a chess match where you think that you like have it it just happened cody and i were just playing yesterday and i was i was like one move away from checkmate and didn't see that he was also one move away from checkmate and then it's just game over and you're like oh just you feel so (laughs) dumb but you and that's the way i that's the way i feel that's the way i see it having happened yeah because they just they just get absolutely played yeah, so I, and it's it's like it's nothing for him, right? He didn't do it out of malice, and he does he doesn't like. Did you, you see that? <laughs> Let's run it back. That was hilarious. That was hilarious, right? Want to kill me again? <laughs> Strike me down, and I'll become more powerful than you can imagine. Yeah, so. Wanna go, and I get, wanna go two two out of the best two out of three white witch. <laughs> yeah, that's that's really what I want to draw out of it. It's just how much ridiculously more powerful to the point where he it it he doesn't really even care about it um not that he doesn't care about it i i'm not trying to say that it's just he's so non in the movie aslan is so nonchalant about everything that happens it's just like it's gonna happen yeah. he, he's not worried about losing this war he's not worried about whether peter can lead the army or not he's not worried about any of this he just, like he just knows it i i think one uh little detail is when uh, very similar to jesus's journey to the like to be crucified is aslan's walk through the forest to the stone table and in how sad he is in the book i don't think it depicts it in the movie very well but in the book you can see that the girls are really happy to see aslan and to be with him Um, but aslan is just moving slow his face is almost like to the ground because he knows what he what he has to do he's dragging his paws he's just not like his same self and he falls on the ground and at one point the girls have to like help him up and slowly continue the journey. So even in that, like the, the battle is going to be won, but he's still, it's still the same sorrow that he has for both what's about to like the hour that he has to come through and for the sins of humanity and for Edmund. Yeah. So that's a uh, book two. Check it out if you want. Or just continue to listen to the Narnia Nuggets, and uh, we'll give you all the good stuff anyways. Next, check back next week, and or you know whenever this is going up, and we will have we'll do the whole thing in voices. <laughs> just kidding, we're not guaranteeing that.